Hello, everybody. Well, aloha. This looks like our church in Hawaii. When I looked around, I was looking at the choir. I thought, man, this is like I'm back home. I was translated by the Holy Ghost. And I just went back home. My goodness, except there are a few more white people here. Uh, but they're nice. I met Sam. He's one of the nicest white people I've ever met. He's so nice. But so good to be here with you. You know, actually, believe it or not, you know, this is my first time here, but I wanted to come four years ago. And I called your pastor. I said, I want to come. And he said, you're not ready. I said, what do you mean I'm not ready? He said, you're from Hawaii. We're New Zealanders. I said, so? He said, you're not ready. All you guys do is lay on the beach. I said, well, I'm coming. He said, oh, no, no. We're moved by the Holy Ghost over here. So, man, I went back to a Pentecostal college, and I learned, uh, you know, how to speak in tongues and how to prophesy, and and then uh, ecclesiastical schizophrenia, and and all kinds of stuff. And I said, I called him back. I said, I'm ready. He said, you're not ready. I said, I'm coming. I fly all over the world. He said, you ain't flying here. I said, I go all over the world. I I speak every... He said, you're not speaking here. I said, I'm coming. And so years went by. So this year I said, talk, I'm coming. He said, you're not coming. I said, I'm coming. He said, you're not ready. I said, I'm coming. And even if I have to pay my own way, he said, now you're ready. I'm really excited to be here. Now I know what moves his soul. Now I bring you greetings from New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hawaii. How many of you have ever been to Hawaii? Raise your hand. Oh, man. How many of you have not yet? Oh, don't die yet then. Don't die. I think next year, Pastor, we should just have the conference in Hawaii. Wouldn't that be good? So that'll be great. I'm really excited to be with you this week. It's going to be a blast. So just put on your seatbelts and we'll watch. Hey, I love to watch what God's doing here. By the way, your choir is outstanding. Give him a hand. Wow. And your musicians and your singers. Gosh, so wonderful. You know, I, I love to watch people that God uses that are successful. Because there's a reason God uses them. Isn't that right? There's a reason God uses certain people and some He sort of like glosses over. But some He uses and I think, why? It's because if you watch them, there's certain things about They leave clues behind as to why God chose them. They leave clues behind. I look at something, I study people in history that are somehow used by God in whatever uh, world that they're in. And one of my favorite heroes is Thomas Alva Edison, the one that developed the incandescent light bulb. Hey, he was a brilliant, brilliant uh, person that would experiment with all kinds of stuff and then invent this and that. And, and it was told that at the end of his life, he was in a big barn where most of his inventions were. He had some incandescent lamps here, some vacuum tubes and some batteries here. He was testing the acid in batteries to see if it would hold charge and uh, the emulsion of film. I mean, when we started our cinema, 
He's actually the one that developed film, the batteries. I mean, the amazing inventions this guy has. I, I, I was studying about him, and, and in this big barn, he was working with his son. And he was trying to develop this battery. Well, in this big barn, uh, over here, the batteries, for some reason, had a chemical combustion. Got too hot, and because this, there were some rags there, it caught on fire. And within moments, this barn was a towering inferno of flame. His son ran out calling for his dad. Dad, he says, get out of there for fear that his father may just go down with the barn because all of his life's work was in there. Dad, he said, come out. And he ran around the barn. Dad. And he ran around a third time and just about bumped into his now legendary father. His hands were deep in his smock pocket and his white hair was blackened with soot. And he was looking up at the flames. And he said, Dad, Dad, I was so afraid that you might be in the barn still. And his dad, just without taking his eyes off the flames, said, go get your mother. <laughs> and his son said, Why? Because she has never seen a fire like this one before. <laughs> and when it was completely destroyed, he turned to his son and said, Do you know anyone that has a tractor? He said, Yeah, Dad, but why? He said, it's Because it's time to rebuild. I look at that guy's spirit. It reminds me of a man, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 14. It reminds me of a story there in Numbers 14 with Caleb and Joshua. Do you remember that? God sends how many into the promised land to check it out? How many say five? Six? Twelve? Good, all right. So he sends twelve in, and he says, I'm going to give you the land. The twelve come back. Ten have a terrible report. There's giants in the land. There's Jebusites and Canaanites and Perizzites and Electrolytes and Parasites. Everybody's in the land that has a light. And Moses said, okay, I guess we better not go, huh? No, Caleb said, no, 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 sir. We, buy, we should by all means go into the land. For God has given us that land. The other ten said, oh, no, 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 it's terrible. No, 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 Moses, we ought to go into the land. And I look at this man and look at the, the 24th verse of Numbers 14. The 24th verse. God is saying, you know what, Moses? Those ten are not going to go into the land. In fact, a bunch of their family is going to die. But... Here it is, my servant Caleb, because he has had a different, spirit. say it, a different, spirit. say it again, a different, spirit. what kind of spirit do you have? Did you know that God recognizes your spirit? The spirit with which you do what you do. Write down Deuteronomy 28, 47. It says this, because, see, God doesn't want you just to serve him. So what? Yeah, no. He doesn't really want you. He could pay people to serve him. He could build robots. But listen to this. Because you did not serve the Lord with a joyful and a glad heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you will serve your enemies that the Lord will send against you. What? Yeah, I will send them against you. Why? Not because you, you served me or didn't serve me. It's because you served me with a bad spirit. 
That's one of the clues that people leave behind that God chooses. And I looked at this and I thought, Caleb, you had a different spirit. It was your spirit. You see, it's not what happens to you that defines your future. It's not what happens to you that makes a difference. It's how you define what happens to you. That's why you can have two people, both grow up in the same neighborhood, both go to the same school, read the same book, they can go to the same church. One will be successful and one won't. Two marriages, same problems, same income, same neighborhood, same amount of kids. One will do well and the other will fail. Why? Because of circumstances? No, because how they define the circumstances. It's your spirit that changes everything. Write down Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is crazy good. Listen to this. Matthew 6, 22, verse 22 and 23. Here it is. The lamp of your body is your eye. And if your eye is clear, your whole body will be filled with light. Your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with Darkness. And if that light that is in you is darkness, how dark will that darkness be? Now, this is a crazy good scripture. Listen, Jesus is saying it's how you see life. It's a spirit with which you see life. That's the lens that changes everything. Otherwise, God could be doing something really good and you'll see it as bad. God could be working in a great way and you'll see it as an impediment. It's your eyes. Now, when he says the lamp of your body is your eye, he's not talking about your eyeball. He's talking about the way you perceive things. It's your spirit. Now, your spirit is going to be expressed in your attitude, right? It's going to be expressed in the way you... I was just at a hotel in Los Angeles and I went up to the counter and I said to the lady, "Uh, could I have an envelope? And she was doing something. Could I have an envelope? I wanted to send a a letter. She grabs one like this. And I said, could I get a pen? Nope, I don't have one. I thought, well, you turkey. (laughs) I, I wanted to say, I ain't coming here no more. It's just the spirit with which people do what they do that is far more noticeable than what they do. Yeah. I was talking to the Bank of America president some time ago. We were at a dinner and, and uh, I said, how important are people's spirit, you know, that they serve with behind the counter? He says, oh, man, let me tell you, this just happened. I said, well, what happened? He said, in our Bank of America main branch down in Los Angeles, there was a queued up line. People were making deposits and a... Uh, an older gentleman with a flannel shirt got in the line and queued himself up and went to waited a long time and then went to the uh, counter there and made a small deposit. And then he said, could you validate my parking ticket, please? And the lady said, we don't validate anymore. He said, yeah, but I've been doing business here for 15 years. She said, we changed the policy, sir. We don't validate anymore. He said, but, but, but I, uh, I came to just make a deposit. I parked right downstairs. He said, she said, read my lips. We don't validate anymore. And there's people behind you, sir. Will you move on? Wow. He said, yes, ma'am. And he walked back to the end of the line, got back in the line again. <laughs> made his way up. 
And he went to another counter and withdrew $4.5 million from his account and went to another bank. The president said, I'll tell you how much that spirit cost us, 4.5 million bucks. You see, God doesn't want us to serve him. He wants us to serve him with a joyful and a glad heart. Listen to this, because a mind will reach a mind, but only a heart will reach a heart. And so if we as God's people don't serve out of our hearts, we don't reach anybody. You see, for a lot of people, you're going to be the only Bible they're ever going to read, and you're going to be the only Jesus they're ever going to see. And you're like a preview of heaven. You know what we call now trailers in a movie? There's a trailer. Actually, it should be a preview, I think. But uh, the preview is you watch the preview of the movie, and you decide if you want to walk, go, go pay money to go to the movie, Right? And so you're watching all these previews. No, no, no. Oh, that one looks pretty good. And it's based on the preview. Listen carefully. You are a preview of heaven. And let me ask you, how's it going? Yeah, see, because if you, if you walk around with a bad spirit, will you go to heaven? Yeah, you will, but Peter won't like it when you get there. It's like, oh, no, here comes Wayne. Hello, get in there. Yeah, thank God we're saved by the blood of Christ. But you see, you're not going to influence anybody on the way. So let me tell you about the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You say, well, tell us what the first most important decision is. I'll tell you that, too. Here it is. The first, your foremost, your first most important decision you'll ever make in your life is your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you the close second. Second most important decision will be the attitude with which you will follow Jesus Christ. See, your first decision will get you to heaven. The second one will determine whether or not you're going to influence people for or against it along the way. That's evangelism. The first is called faith. The second is called evangelism. You can be a person of faith, but have no evangelism. We won't reach New Zealand. We won't reach the world. Well, I got faith. It's all right. Well, I believe in God. Well, you're about as good as the devil. So what? Yeah, did you know that... There is no demon in the universe that's an atheist. Yeah, no devil's an atheist. Yeah, all the devils say this. They, they recognize that Jesus is Lord, and it says, and they shudder. They all know that Jesus is Lord. They don't follow him, but they know. They know the Bible. They were cast out of heaven. They, there's no atheists among the demons. They believe God, too. So if I just say, well, it's good enough for for me to believe God, you're not going to take anybody with you. And we are here for what? God didn't save you as a fire escape from hell. That as soon as you raise your hand, whoo, now you're going to heaven. If the only reason that Jesus saved you was to get you to heaven, that as soon, it would have been that as soon as you raised your hand and said yes, he would have killed you. Right? 
Might as well get you on to heaven. No use you hanging around and taking up somebody's room. Eating somebody else's food. Boom, get home. <laughs> but it's your spirit. The attitude with which you live is incredible. You know, in Hawaii, I wear a lei. In almost every service, I have a lei. And it's just, we have the most pungent flowers there. It's just so nice. Oh, man. And the interesting thing is, when I, I have one called a puakini kini lei. And uh, when I wear this lei, it's like, everybody smells good. <laughs> Isn't that right? It don't matter if you got B.O., you smell good. Because it's not you, it's how I perceive you. That lay is there. Now listen, what if I had two dead rats hanging on my neck? It didn't matter if you doused yourself with cologne. Whew, you stink! But see, that's your spirit. Do you understand that? A lot of times we think it's out there. It's not! And that's why God sees your spirit. But my servant, Caleb, because he has had a different spirit to him. I will bring into the land he and his descendants will possess the land. Whoo! Not even Moses got that privilege. Do you understand how incredible this second most important decision is in your life? Listen carefully. Did you know that you are basically one attitude away from a great life? You are just about one attitude away from a great life. That's how important it is. The lamp of the body is the eye. Uh, you know, I fly all over the world, and, and uh, all the airplane uh, flight attendants are fabulous. I flew over here on New Zealand Air, Air New Zealand, and beautiful, fabulous. But I got to say this the most wonderful flight attendants are Japan Airlines. Those ladies are like prim and proper. They're, there's not one follicle out of place. Everything is just... And, and they're so super. They're so, they don't walk. They scoot. It's amazing. It's, isn't that right? Yeah. They're, they're, ah, <laughs> let me tell you. They're amazing. You know, they come up, Harold, please sit down. I mean, it's so soothing. You're just like... <laughs> they just start talking to you and you fall asleep. It's like so relaxing. Well, there's a story. This guy gets on Japan Airlines and, and uh, he's getting ready to take off. And so she kind of scoots out and she says, Thank you for flying Japan Airlines. If you need anything... Please, you just push a button on armrest. We come right away. So please, fasten the seatbelt because we go take off. Thank you. Thank you for riding Japan Airlines. And so she then, you know, like disappears. And so the guy puts on his seatbelt and goes, wow, it's so cool. And the plane takes off. And the problem is about 15 minutes into the flight, they hear this kaboom on the right-hand side of the fuselage and the right wing is floating away. She comes out, thank you for flying Japan Airlines. If you notice, right wing, fall off. <laughs> However, 
everything all right, we just fly a little sideways. Don't give up flying Japan Airlines. <laughs> well, this guy figures this is normal, you know? So he goes, ah, oh, that's cool, that's cool. So he's just laying back. Well, then another 15 minutes, kaboom! And he looks out and the left wing is floating away. She comes out. Thank you for flying Japan Airlines. Uh, if you notice her, left wing for us. But it's okay. We go more fast now. <laughs> Well, the thing is bulleting towards the ocean, and kaboom, it hits the water, you know, and they're floating on the water, and she comes out, and her hair's all disheveled, and she's putting it back on. Thank you for flying Japan Airlines. If you notice, we landed. <laughs> However, we land wrong place. <laughs> but I have a good news for you. Uh, we find a land just a two miles to the right. So if you can swim, please, uh, please begin now. And for those of you that cannot swim, thank you for trying Japan. <laughs> See, if you got a good spirit, it doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> Isn't it good to laugh in the presence of the Lord once in a while? Well, you say, well, how do you build that kind of Caleb spirit? How do you build a, the eyes that can see things the way Jesus wants us to see them because you see we, we, we don't often do that well would you write down number one here's what you got to do you got to train your eyes to see what's good I mean it doesn't happen automatically folks you got to train your eyes right now you can tell me 50 things that's wrong with me don't feel good I can say 80 things that's wrong with you but we can start comparing one another and then just start seeing what's bad well, it's too hot, or this or that, or the way should be this. And you can, it's so easy to just slump into seeing things less than the way they could be. You've got to train your eyes not to look for the evidences of God's absence. You must look for the evidences of God's presence. You know why? Because you're going to see what you're looking for. Isn't it true if you're wanting to buy a certain kind of used car? Okay, I want to buy a certain kind of car. Well, the next day you drive around and it's like, dude, everyone's driving that kind of car I want. You'll see that car everywhere. Why? The same amount of that car was there the day before, but you didn't see it because you weren't looking for it. As soon as you start looking for something, you will see it everywhere. Let me read to you a scripture. This is in uh, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Check this out. It says, He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks after evil, evil will come to him. If you're seeking evil, what? It will, it'll find you. 
Psalm 109 says this, He also loved cursing, so it came to him. You see, whatever, he didn't delight in blessings, so what happened to the blessings? He was far from him. You're going to see and you're going to apprehend what you're looking for. If you're looking for the hand of God here, you're going to find Him everywhere. One lady came to me and said, Man, my husband has problems. I said, Really? She says, Man, does he have problems. I said, Why? She says, I see him everywhere. Problems everywhere. I said, Are you looking for what he does good? She, he doesn't do anything good. I said, You're blind to that. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, if you, look what's for, if you look for what's bad in your family, your family's going to be bad. Yeah. But it wasn't always that way. Because when you got married, it's like, oh. <laughs> Isn't that right? Everything about him is sad. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, you ugly thing. <laughs> what changed? Not him, your eyes. The spirit of your home changes. Isn't that right? Everything of that home starts to change when your spirit changes. That's why God says, I see your spirit. Because one day you're not going to have a body. You're only going to have a... So if God looks at your spirit now and says, oh, you ugly... That means you might be ugly forever. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you know what? You catch my drift. But you've got to train your eyes to see what is good. Otherwise, you miss it. I was, uh, I was, uh, some time ago, we were going to have a service and and uh, we couldn't use the auditorium that we usually use. And so when you have to move that many people to another location for a service, it's like a, a major exodus. And so we were praying, God, where can we move, you know, 10, 11,000 people for a service? Because we were renting. We were homeless for 19 years. We're just now buying uh, a place. But uh, 19 years we were renting. And uh, <clears throat> so the place we rent said, oh, we can't have you guys use it. In six weeks, here's the date. And it's six weeks. So I was calling the Civic Auditorium and the stadiums and <clears throat> nothing was open. The only thing that was open was an outdoor park. So I thought, oh, God. So I started to pray, God, we can't have it rain. Just can't have it rain on that day because that's all we got is a park. Well, the day came. And, now, when we, you rent sound system for outdoor, it's got to be like five times the amount of sound because this at least has a... A reverberation, a bounce back. Whereas when you're outdoors, it's like nothing. It just goes. So it's a mass of the sound system in the U.S. dollars. Sound, just the sound was $65,000 just to rent the sound system. And, uh, and if it rains, it could ruin everything. So, uh, man, I tell you, it, finally it came and I was praying the night before, dear God, dear God, just don't let it rain. So we have one Saturday night, two Sunday morning services out in the park. So we're usually about 5,000, 4,000 each. So I said, God, you just can't let it rain. You just can't let it rain, God. Please, please, Lord. You know how many years I've served you faithfully. <laughs> I've done a lot of things for you, man. A lot. Just, just don't let it rain. Well, Saturday night comes, 
And we're outside and it starts raining, but not real hard. And, you know, we have dancers, we have hip hop dancers, and they were outside on the stage. And I thought, man, I'm going to just see them go, woo, 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 you know, slipping around. And the guy's playing guitar, all of a sudden, smoke coming out of their ears. And I thought, Lord, we don't have enough insurance for this. Lord, don't let it rain. Well, it kind of drizzled. So that night I went to my knees again. I said, dear Jesus, it rained a little bit tonight. <clears throat> you know, I'll let you slide on this. <laughs> but like tomorrow, I really got to have you listen because you've got to make sure there's no rain. That's where the most of the people are coming. Well, the next morning I get up and it is a torrential downpour. It is pouring. And so I say, Lord, I just, I just, by faith, know it's not raining, Lord. It's just not. And I get into my car. I don't even turn on my windshield wipers, you know, by faith. Yeah. <laughs> it was so silly. Well, I get there, and there's just a small huddled group of like 18 people for first service. You know, everybody just stays home, right? So I can't do it. And the second service, it started to slow down a little, so a bunch more came the second service. And I'm just saying, oh, God, God, just, it can't rain like this. This is terrible. And so I'm off to the side. The people are there, and they're worshiping. And I'm, I'm have you ever complained to God? It's like, God, come on. And so I, one lady looked over at me. She thought, oh, look at our pastor. He's just worshiping God. <laughs> And I'm grumbling, and I don't know if you've had, like, almost an epiphany where God just shatters the heavens. And he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, look at you. He said, you are more concerned with the absence of rain than you are the presence of Christ. Wow. You have never asked for the presence of God. You're just asking for the absence of of rain. You want and you think that I exist to help you to see the absence of problems. I exist to help you to see the presence of God. And I might, I mean, God just reprimanded me. And then, I mean, I really started crying. Because oh. <laughs> I knew he was right. He was right. And this is what he said. If I take away the rain, but you have not my presence, this place will be a desert. Yeah. But if I bring my presence in the midst of the rain, you will have a revival. Yeah. You see? It's the spirit that he looks at. And I was looking for problems. You've got to train your eyes. You've got to train your eyes to see the evidences of God's presence. Because our whole life, our, our, our lives, have not, we have not trained our eyes to see good. Our eyes are trained to see what's bad. I mean, you pick up the newspaper, you know, and uh, you think, well, what... This isn't the newspaper. This is good news. But you pick up the newspaper and it doesn't have good news. It has what? Bad news. And if you don't have enough bad news in the newspaper, you stop on the way to work at a magazine, you know, like we do U.S. News and World Report, and you find out what's bad in the U.S. 
And then you can get a world magazine to see what's bad in the world. Then you hurry home from work so you can watch the five o'clock bad news. And you stay up late so you can watch the ten o'clock bad news. So you can go to sleep and have a bad rest and have bad dreams and get up with a bad back. And we do that for 30, 40 years. And so what happens, our eyes can, boy, I can see bad stuff now. And we come to church and we do that and we think, whew, man, are we holy? Because I can tell you what's bad with you. <laughs> Glory to God. And the Lord looks at us and goes, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> That's what he said. I would you that you'd be hot or cold, but don't get lukewarm on me because I'll puke you out of my mouth. Why? Because God looks at our spirit. The spirit with which we do what we do. So the first thing is you've got to train your eyes. And then can I say number two, that you just believe that you can change. You've got to believe. Well, this is the way I've been since I was born. No, it's not. God created you in His image. Well, I'm Irish, you know, and that's just how the Irish are. Oh, shut up. You're first a citizen of heaven, not Ireland. You're a citizen of heaven, not New Zealand. You're a citizen of heaven, not Hawaii. He just stuck you there for a season. But we're all from the same hometown. And God put us here for a while. Because you've got a purpose here. There's a reason. You're a preview of heaven. How you doing? You see, you've got to practice that. You've got to practice having a spirit that says, it's okay. Because if you think you're bad, you is. Because the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Caleb, what did you see? Moses, I saw a land that we could take. I mean, it's filled with milk and honey. The ten. No, no big people in the land. Big people. No, we can take them. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. No, they're big people. Let me tell you, big. No, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Moses says. You went to the land, you went to the land, you say it's no good, and you say it's good. Yes. Yes. Uh, did you go to the same <laughs> rugby match? I mean, did you, did you see the same game? Yeah. Now, you say yes, and you say no. No, no. Wait a minute. You know, in the Olympics, they have something called, they, have, they used to have two scores. One is a score for artistic rendition, like one to ten, that's a ten, you know, beautiful. But the other score is measure of difficulty. Because you can have a routine, but it's really easy, and you can do it really nice, but it's like anybody can do that. But there's another one that the measure of difficulty is really high. Well, in life, it's almost like the Lord is going to say to you, you decide your own measure of difficulty in the problems you face, in the marriage that you have, the situation you're going through. Do you know that you can decide? Wait a minute, you don't know what I've been going through. Oh, let me tell you about Wendy Stoker. 
Wendy Stoker was a high dive champion in the Midwest town in the States. Won her a full ride scholarship to a Florida university where she was a part of the speech team. She played chess. She uh, was on the debate team. And uh, she also uh, ran and she, of course, high dived. But I think her, her most uh, interesting class that she was a champion at was her keyboarding or typing. Uh, she could type at a whizzing 40 words a minute. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but I forgot to tell you. Uh, Wendy Stoker was born without arms. She types that with her toes. Wow. Ask her if it's difficult. Yeah. Say, no, I type with my toes. But you see, it's not the situation. It's how you define the situation. That's what God looks for. Because He's going to give you sometimes a promised land that's filled with giants. And you're going to say, I just can't do it. Oh, God says, I bet you can. It's your eyes that I'm looking at. It's your heart. It's your spirit. It's your attitude. It's not the circumstances. So, the measure of difficulty... So he has a 12 out there. Uh, what do you say? Oh, scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, 10 being hard, 1 being easy, Moses says. What do you think? Oh, man, it's like a 12. <laughs> okay, what about you? 9. Okay, what about you? 10 and a half. Okay, Caleb, what about you? That's a 2. A what? A 2. Now, wait a minute. He said it's a 12. He said it's a 10. He says it's a 9. He says it's a 10 and a half. You said 2. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a two. Here's what God says. You said it was 12. For you, it shall be 12. Yeah. You said it's a ten and a half. For you, it shall be a ten and a half. You said it was a nine. For you, it shall be a nine. You said it was a two. For you, it shall be a two. Wow. Why? Because as is thy faith, so shall it be done unto you. You know what God is saying? Your spirit is your faith. We can come up here and whoop-de-doo in this place, but if our attitude out of here smells like a dead rat, then that's the faith that you really have. This is spiritual theatrics. But it's there that God puts His dipstick. Because that's where we're either going to be a preview of heaven... Or something that says, you don't want to go where I'm going. See, that's where our faith has to shine in the world. That's evangelism. That's how we reach New Zealand. See, the devil really doesn't care what you do in this place. Just don't take it out of here. Let me tell you the most important part of every service. I know Pastor preaches fabulous messages here. But I tell you, as wonderful as your musicians are amazing. They're really good. But you know, as wonderful as what happens on this platform, it's just, it is really wonderful. Let me tell you, the most important part of the service is when you leave those doors. Isn't that right? Because it'll mean that you're either equipped here or entertained here. You want to be equipped here. For pastors are given to the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. 
And so God is looking at our spirit. So he says, make sure that you train your eyes to see what's good. And then believe that you can change. You can. Let me give you the last one. Some of you say, whew, I don't know if I can do all of that. Oh, you can. Here, here it is. Number three, don't give up. Never give up. Just never give up. You tell the devil, I don't care. I ain't giving up. Jesus is Lord. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Never give up. Never give up. That's what I love about Job. Even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. I thought, ah, that's why God blessed you twice as much. That's why God used you. The three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to put up this golden idol. And when you see that thing and you hear the trumpets go, you bow down. And so they play, da-na-na, da-na-na, and they just stand up. Nope, it ain't Saturday night in the park. And Nebuchadnezzar is mad, heats the furnace up seven times. He says, I told you guys to bow down. Remember what they said? They said, king, long live the king. You know what our answer is going to be. Because we are going to serve God. For our God is able to deliver us from the furnace of fire. Listen to the next line. But even if he does not, we will not bow down. Do you understand those guys? We ain't going to give up. You can burn. We'll, we'll become crispy critters for Jesus. We're going through. What if he doesn't save you? I don't care. It's like the devil stands back and says, don't mess with those guys. Don't mess with them. Never, never give up. It does not matter what the devil says. You see, listen, it doesn't matter how high you blow up. It's what direction are your feet facing when you hit ground again. We're all going to blow up. question is, what direction are your feet facing? See, the devil wants to get you to quit. That's why the scripture says, create in me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence, Psalm 51. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the what of my salvation? What? My salvation. No, my, the spirit of that salvation. He didn't say restore unto me my salvation. He says restore unto me the what? The joy. You understand how God sees that? You lose that. It's gone. Because you didn't serve me with a joyful and a glad heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore, you will serve your enemies. Lord, restore unto me the joy. Now, salvation's critical. You see, the devil can't steal your salvation. That's wrapped up in the blood of Jesus Christ. How many of you say amen for that? It's not on our performance based on his. How many of you say amen for that? Now listen carefully. He can't steal your salvation, so he's going to go after the joy of your salvation. And you don't do nothing for the kingdom. You're still saved, but nobody else is going to be. You understand? If he can get just you to go to heaven, that's fine. Just don't take anybody else. So the psalmist is restoring to me the joy of my salvation because I want to be a light to the world. So the devil can't steal your salvation. He's, he'll steal the joy of your salvation. Now, let me tell you why that, that's so important. He has no authority to steal your salvation. But for some reason, he's been given authority to steal the joy. 
So you've got to protect that. I mean, God will protect your salvation. You protect the what? Joy. That's why James 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and you let endurance have its perfect result, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You guard your joy. You guard your joy. Did you know that we're called charismatics because we have we practice and move in the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Well, that word charismatic is from the word grace, charis. Charis is a word for grace. Charis maton, our gifts of grace. Do you know what the root word of charis is, the word grace? It's car, C-H-A-R. You know what that is? It's the word joy. God says you're charismatic people because not only do you serve me by the power of the Spirit, you do it with joy. It's absolutely critical. So the devil can't steal your marriage. He has no authority to. So you know what he does? He'll steal the joy of your marriage and you'll bail out on it yourself. He can't steal, the jo- he can't steal your ministry, so he'll steal the joy of your ministry and you'll bail out of it yourself. He can't steal your family, so he steals the joy of your family. You bail out yourself. He can't steal your faith or your devotion, so he'll steal the joy of that, and you'll give up yourself. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Whatever you got to do, pray fast. You guard your joy. I remember the story. This guy was dying and, and he finally came to his wife and said, Honey, man, I tell you, I've been such a pill. I've been yelling at you, screaming at you, and you always kept joy. How'd you do that? I'm just the meanest man in the world and you just have always kept your joy. How do you do that? She says, Well, no, it's not that hard. Well, how did you stay calm? She said, Well, I would just... Uh, I would just go and clean the toilet. (laughs) Husband said, how did that help? She said, I would use your toothbrush. (laughs) Don't do that, but whatever you need to do to guard your joy, guard your joy. (laughs) Boy, that was a stupid joke, wasn't it? But you understand what I'm saying? Do whatever you need to to guard your joy because that's the target. He's going after that. He can't steal your salvation. He's going to steal the joy of your salvation. He can't steal our worship. He'll steal the joy out of worship. He won't steal your faith. He just steals the joy of being a faithful Christian. And you give up on it yourself. Because he doesn't have the authority to steal it. Only you have the authority to give it up. Catch that? Guard your joy. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Whatever you got to do. I mean, that's... God is saying, just don't give up. Just don't give up. So many... There's a story of this 
young lady and her dad, they were driving across the states and they saw this big gray cloud and she, she's going into a st- storm and she said to her father, Father, should we pull over? She's driving the dad's riding and passenger seat and, and she said, Dad, should, should I pull over? There's a big storm. He said, no, just keep driving. Be careful to drive. Well, she went into the storm and was just pelting rain. And, and she said, Dad, should I pull over? Should I pull over? He said, no, honey, just keep driving. Just keep driving. Be careful, but drive. She kept driving. She saw trucks pulling over. Dad, even trucks are pulling over. Dad, should I pull over? And her dad said, no, honey, just keep driving. Just keep driving. And then soon, within just a mile or two, it started to clear up. And then within another mile, the sun had broken out and it was beautiful. And the dad said, now, honey, pull over. She said, Dad, why, why are you saying pull over now? Because we're out of the storm. He said, pull over and get out of the car and look back and see all of those people who quit and they're still in the storm. But you kept driving and you're out of the storm because you didn't give up. And I encourage you, there's going to be tough days ahead in New Zealand. But you don't, don't give up. There's going to be times you say, well, I'll do it if that's what the pastor wants me to do. No, 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 no. Guard your joy and do it with joy because God sees your spirit. Pastor told me to say that to you. <laughs> and you just keep pressing on. Just keep, you, you just take, take a look at your body. Just take a look. You know, God created us almost like a message to keep pressing forward because you're going to hit all kinds of storms in your marriage, in your church, in your faith, everything. But keep moving forward. Just the way God created you is a message. For example, what side of your head did he put your eyeballs on? The front or the back? Because he could have put them on the back, right? But he put them on the front. Why? Because he's saying, keep looking. Which way did he stick your ears on your cranium? Forward or backwards like this? Forward, because God wants you to keep listening forward to his promises for your future and quit listening to people talking behind your back. Which way do your arms work better, reaching forward or reaching backwards? Reaching forward, because God wants you to keep reaching. Which way did he put your feet on your ankles? You haven't checked lately, have you? Look at your neighbors and see. Forward, because God wants you, regardless of what you bump into, to keep walking forward. There's, yeah. There's only one part of your anatomy he stuck on the other side. And I'm not telling you what it is because this is church. But it just might be that God is saying, there's some things you need to leave behind. Oh, Jesus, help us. As pastor comes, let me pray for you, would you? Lord Jesus, thanks so much. What a fabulous church. 
What a great group of people, Lord. And you're going to teach us to keep our spirit strong, to guard our joy because it's going to get attacked. And you see our spirit. That's what you saw about Caleb because he has a different spirit. Him, I'm going to bring into the land. He and his descendants will take possession of it. Let those Caleb's be us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.